It's after week 16 and they still need us to save this show. Actually, you know what? There's some vegan macaroons over there. I'll get a bowl. to episode 19 of the Fantasy Hipsters podcast, one that many people are saying is going to be the best episode ever. I've been hearing that, yeah. Yeah, the streets are talking. It's out there. After our last episode where we basically just complained the whole time, you know, listeners had to listen to us uh, vent our, our issues. Issues. Now... Multiple issues. We're going to now listen to you. We're going to take your mail satchel questions. Yes. We're going to answer you because uh, you know, as much as you know, we, you gotta listen to us a little bit. You know, listen to our problems when we vent a little. Now we're gonna listen to your problems. Yeah, we're giving and back. Answer, yeah. So we've got a few relationship-based questions, some marital counseling questions. We're gonna be listening to. No, not really, but a lot of football questions yeah. and maybe some hipster things along the way. But anyways, yeah, I'm Matt <laughs> Harmon. You know, yada yada, who I am. That's fine. I'm here right along with my main man, Matt Franciscovich, aka the franchise. What's going on, buddy? I'm uh, doing well. You know, I didn't talk about it on the previous episode, but uh, I went to that Rubble Bucket show the other night at the Troubadour, which I talked about Ooh, last week. Yeah. It was good. It was a good time. It was a good time. So, met up with an old friend there, had a couple beers, and uh, it was a nice Thursday evening for everyone involved. It was Very a good show. Cool. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. And uh, you know, OTAs are underway. We talked about it, and all the news is flying. So it's exciting times. Very cool. Let's. Uh... So uh, before we answer the listener questions, we of course have to tell you uh, who sponsors this podcast, and of course that is our presenting sponsor, Do Champs Grooming. Do Champs, vintage inspired, handmade grooming, grooming products for the modern day man. Do Champs has everything you could possibly need. They've got hair wax, the hair serum, which we know I'm a big fan of. Look it's, at my hair right now. I mean, it's impeccable. Yeah. All thanks to Do Champs Grooming. Couldn't do it without them. They're my official hair product. Don't use anything else. Yeah, other than same. A little, yeah, other than a little hairspray. But, you know, hey, Shh. we're still working on that. Hairspray's a sleeper. Shh. Yeah. Shh. But anyways, Do Champs has everything you possibly need to get yourself looking good, get yourself looking right, and feeling good as a result. Uh, and our, our listeners get a special discount. How do they get that discount, though? They go online to dochampsgrooming.co. That's the website. You go to the shop. You throw some stuff in the cart. And then when you're checking out, you pop the little promo code in there called hipsterspod, one word, and you get 15% off your order. And it's that easy. And while you're at it, you know, you're online doing some Duchamps Grooming shopping. Go follow them on Instagram. Go follow them on Twitter. They need the help on their social networks. Just follow them. Like their stuff. Support the companies that support the hipsters do champs grooming. Beautiful. All right. Well, with that, let's get into our uh, mail satchel questions. We're going to crack open the email questions. Of course, if you guys ever want to email in on the show, and as we mentioned on last week's show, we are going to only have one episode uh, next week. We won't be having a mail satchel because of the holiday and a Correct. few other things. We got to push it back, but we will be having our flagship show. Uh, so you can still email us at fantasyhipsters at gmail.com and we will answer your questions two weeks from now. Yeah. Um, but keep them coming. Keep them coming, man. We always enjoy the listener questions. And our first one comes in. Uh, this one, I noticed you forgot to put this on the dock. 
uh, I'm afraid that you are trying to kind of box out my dude here. Uh, Andrew Liptock asks us, uh, hey guys, new listener here. Just wondering who you think the real Alan Robinson is. Is it last year's version, 2015, or somewhere in between? Also, the Enjoy By IPAs are by far the best stone beer out there. If you're ever back on the East Coast, check out some great lakes and evil genius, uh, what they have there. Also, the Han Shot First IPA is up there with the best of them. I like the sound of the Han Shot First one. You know, a little callback to Star Wars. I don't think I've ever had that. No, this is all stone? Well, the Stones enjoy by IPAs, and oh. I think the rest of them are East Coast beers, as he was mentioning, which I will be back on the East Coast very soon. I will have to try to get my, uh, my hands uh, on those, especially the Han Shot first one. I imagine the artwork for that has to be uh, pretty cool as well. But to yeah. Andrew's question, uh, also we're happy that he's a new listener, um, who do you think the real Alan Robinson is franchise? Is it 2015's version or somewhere in between? I'm pretty sure it's the 2015 version. I mean, the dude is is sick. Uh, But he struggled last year because his quarterback stinks, and everyone knows that. And the Jaguars' offense just could not get on the same page. So I think there was some some issues there. And, uh, you know, I think what we saw in 2015, obviously 14 touchdowns is kind of hard to duplicate. That might be kind of a a little bit of an outlier. But, I mean, he's a 1,200-yard, 10-touchdown guy. In my book. Yeah, I would agree with that. From a, an individual play standpoint, I would agree that uh, that what you're looking for is more of the 2015 version. You know, he was dominant that year. Looking over his reception perception scores, uh, who we, we obviously know even his rookie season was fantastic from that standpoint, which indicated he was probably going to be a breakout player. 73.6% success rate versus man coverage in 2015. That fell back. Like, you know, it's important to remember that not only did his quarterback play obviously drop off in 2016, you know, his play, his own individual play did drop off a little bit. His success rate versus man coverage dropped down to 66.9%, which isn't a disastrous score, but it's, it's still above the league average, but obviously not up to the standards of a superstar receiver. Also had more trouble uh, on contested catches in particular, where he had a 75% conversion rate in his second year. That went all the way down to 56% last year, or in, in 2016. Also, his drops went up too, but those things tend to fluctuate from year to year. Um, I think one thing that was encouraging in terms of his production uh, down the stretch when Doug Marone took over as the head coach, they used him more as a flanker. They moved him around the formation a little more, not necessarily like did he play on different sides more, but he was used, again, in different positions, not just the straight X receiver having to fight off press coverage, top coverage, every single route. Uh, you know, he also had more curl routes in that sample. And that's something that you see with a lot of top receivers in the NFL, Des Bryant, uh, Julio Jones. Those guys are moved around the formation more, not just going against the number one corner getting pressed every time on the outside because that just creates a lot of, especially when you're running a lot of downfield routes, it creates a lot of uh, high degree of difficulty passes. And that's something that you see with uh, with a player like Robinson a lot in 2016. And that just creates uh, more variance than is necessary. So in, in terms of an individual player standpoint, I think definitely the 2015 version is the real Allen Robinson. That's yeah. who he's been more throughout his career, even as a rookie. However, from a production standpoint, as you mentioned, 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, you know, 
that's aggressive to project year in and year out. Um, but we know those seasons are in his range of outcomes. We, we've already seen that. And even a disaster season for him was still an 800-yard, six-touchdown season. So yeah. uh, when literally everything went wrong, not just him but his quarterback. Also, there's a really good piece on Bleacher Report today uh, by Tyler Dunn that interviewed Robinson, and he just talked about his mindset uh, kind of went into the gutter last year too when it was just such a such an ugly situation. Makes sense. Who can blame him? Yeah. So I, I do think – that the real Allen Robinson is what we saw in 2015. Just from a production and fantasy standpoint, you know it's going to be hard to replicate those situations right. year in and year out, as, as it often is. Uh, if you go to Twitter and search hashtag reception perception and Robinson, you'll find a thread I put out uh, comparing his year one, year two, and year three results uh, since I have all of that data. And uh, that, that kind of sums up what I think there. There you go. Well, you're the Allen Robinson guy, so... Yeah, talked to him recently. The man has spoken. Really? Yeah, yeah I talked to him recently. He's doing. He's he's doing pretty good. Uh, hopefully, rebounding. Uh, like I like I said, just getting in, getting in ready for a for a year four season. It's contract year for him, man. All these 2014 receivers, other than the first round guys, are all kind of facing contract years this year with Jordan Matthews, Jarvis Landry, Martavis Bryant, Odell. Well, no, because he's a first-round pick, so pick up the fifth-year option. Oh, right, right, right. Um, but, uh, guy, the, like, the second to third-round guys, yeah, yeah, John yeah. Brown, I mean, the list goes on and on from that class. Marquise Lee on the same team. Um, so it's kind of a big year for all. Dante Moncrief, another one who could use a big year this year. Like, all those guys are coming into contract years, and it's going to create a situation where, um, you know, that free agent class next year of wide receivers could be – pretty big because i would imagine not all of those guys are going to get long-term extensions yeah that's going to be a fun free agency season yeah, and so many of them are in crossroads of their career already you know like guys like jordan matthews have put up great production but right his team signed a couple free agents this offseason but not to long-term deals you know jarvis landry what what are the dolphins going to value him as a high-end slot receiver like he is or are they going to pay him based on what his production levels Dante Moncrief, are you going to pay for the production or are you going to pay for the potential? What is he going to show this year? John Brown, is he going to bounce back? Is he healthy? All those guys are kind of at crossroads right now, and they're, it's also right when their contracts are coming up. So it's going to create a fascinating situation uh, with, a lot of, with a lot of these guys and the teams and what they decide to do with them. Interesting stuff. Sidebar there. But anyways, next question comes in from Mark uh, Conception. Sure. Wow. I'm going to go with Conception. Mark from White Plains. Let's just go with that. I like that. He says, hello, hipsters. Uh, he's got a keeper question here. Devonta Freeman in the third round, and he can only keep for one year. Or Paul Perkins in the eighth this year, then the sixth next year. And he already has Michael Thomas in the seventh, then the fifth next year that he's definitely keeping. Good value with Thomas. Yeah, so this is easy for me. Me too. Uh, it's it's Devonta, Devonta Freeman. Freeman. Yeah, yeah, even if you can only keep him for one year, yeah. it's a third-round pick. Definitely way worth it. Like, I like Paul Perkins' situation right now. Uh, because he is the lead back on that team, you would think, but you know, you never know what could we could what we could be looking at a year from now. Exactly, between now and a year from now, Paul Perkins could not even be on the Giants anymore. You never know. A lot of a lot of stuff can happen in twelve months in the NFL. Yeah, just no way you're taking a player that's not established at all and keeping him over a player like Devonta Freeman, who's very very established. Agree. All right, so that's a pretty easy one for us. Next question comes in from Christopher Morris. Hi, Matt and Matt, big fan of the podcast from across the the pond. Feel free to insert British accent here where you think it works. All right. All right. Our craft beer scene here has taken off in the last few years, so if you're ever over, I'd love to show you a few of my favorites. <laughs> That's great. I'd love to do that. But to football. <laughs> I'm still relatively new to fantasy football, heading into my third year in a 14-team 
one and a half PPR league with an auction draft and five bench spots with one quarterback, two wide receivers, two running backs, one flex, one tight end, a kicker and a defense. I read those a little out of order. This year, we've started to add a super flex on top. Are we mad? Wondering if you'd have any tips for strategy and drafting for super flex leagues, but also auction in general. Cheers, Chris. P.S. Me and my buddy have I've started to tackle our own projections as we did a fair amount of statistical analysis in our degrees. Was hoping you might have some tips for a couple of budding slash hopeful fantasy analysts. All right. Well, he's asking for a lot of tips here. Um... <laughs> That's for a lot, Chris. All right, I gotta say, you're asking me to do this accent. No, you didn't really ask me to do that, but you you, you forced my hand there. But you anyway. said where you think it works. Apparently, you thought it worked for the entire question. I did think it worked for the entire question. That's fine. I this hope. Fine. Our, I really do hope our UK listeners haven't uh, turned off the podcast. Probably so. Also, okay. let's just you know, thoughts are with everyone in the UK right now. The current events that happened this week in Manchester. Ariana, yeah. Yeah. The Ari that was Grande. Horrific. Yeah. Absolutely. Terrible. Terrible stuff. Yeah. Definitely thoughts with them. Um, Ariana Grande is a big, uh, she's a big advocate in the LGBT scene too. Uh, so, and I think she's gonna have to. I think there's already talks, or maybe she already has. By the time we're listening to this, canceled her whole world world, world tour. Mm -hmm. So, um, definitely, definitely thoughts with the uh, with the UK and our listeners there. We hope you are all safe. Um, and yes, your friends and family are, are safe as well, and everybody in Manchester. Um, but as Chris says, but to football. Yes. Um, so, Superflex, uh, do you have any Superflex strategies? Have you ever played in a Superflex league? The only Superflex league that I've actually played in was uh, the Scott Fishbowl last year. That was the first time I ever did it. Obviously, you want, uh, you know, quarterbacks are valued higher because if you're plugging someone into that Superflex spot, it's obviously should be a quarterback based on the way quarterbacks are more predictable week to week and based on how many points they put up week to week. It's going to be the best give you the best opportunity to score more points in that slot yeah they a have a higher floor and ceiling right. than does normally a top running back or or a top wide receiver even right. even if it is ppr this is a half ppr um but yeah so you want to go with quarterback right so given that you might see aaron Rodgers go at the end of the first round in a super flex league depending on how your buddies value quarterbacks if it's you know you always got to feel out your league mates too which can be an advantage during the draft um but our, our buddy J.J. Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback, also says when he does uh, super flex leagues, he still waits on quarterbacks just because there's so many. This is a 14-team league, though. So that gives you 28 quarterbacks if each team has two. So you might want to go a little earlier just because the supply won't be there by the end of the draft. Right. And so you're going to have to prepare for that, too. I, the, right. I play in a super flex dynasty league and, like, I definitely kicked the can down the road on quarterbacks. And, like, my two starters for the last two years have been Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith, which is fine. Like, you can get by with that. Um, but you also have – I've made some whiffs other places for, in terms of trades and draft picks. I have Martavis Bryant, woof. I have Mar Eddie Lacy, woof. That was a big pick of mine that whiffed yeah. at the time. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you want to hope to have a really strong roster built around those subpar quarterbacks if you're rocking with the two of them. Now I'm kind of in luck that uh, I have got I've had guys like Mike Glennon and Brian Hoyer uh, stash, and now they're going to be like full fledged parts of the team. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> uh, but those cool. But that's the point though about the supply and demand of quarterbacks is that there's just way more of them to go around than need to be started. Right. Even in a superflex league where you know, like you said, if it's 14 teams, that's 28 starters. 
Um, there's going to be some times where you're not starting a quarterback because of bye weeks and etc. Right. So bye weeks come in. You might even want to draft three quarterbacks so that you can play the matchups all season. Right. Yeah. So again. It's definitely you want to value the quarterbacks higher, but you don't want to overcorrect uh, and start like if there's a run, then start chasing the position because that's going to create value at other positions where some running backs that normally go in the second round of a redraft league are going to go in the third round, and you can pick them up then. So right. don't go too crazy. Um, other tips about auction in general. Now, see if this is an auction draft, it is going to throw a wrench in some of the round stuff that we talked about. Right. But, right. That's a great place, and especially if you're. So one of my favorite things to do in auction is when I'm on the the clock to, to nominate bid, nominate somebody. Yeah, uh, throw up a player that I don't even really want. Yes, especially oh, yeah. early because yes. that's when people are gonna go crazy. So throw that first quarterback out there. Throw Aaron Rodgers out because you're not gonna want to spend the money to get him no. or Andrew Luck or Drew Brees with these exactly, top guys. Exactly. Let them chase that. You know, chase them early and spend their money there. And because I guarantee you, even a Superflex draft, some of these back-end quarterbacks like Phillip Rivers and, and whatever are going to go for lesser value. So right. you want to chase those guys then, not necessarily early in an auction draft. And that's in just in general. And also with auctions, my, my, my biggest principle is never to be in the early part of the run or the last part of the run uh, because that's when the money gets crazy. You want to be kind of in the middle point. It's the U of that run, the very bottom point of the U where the money is the least amount, uh, kind of, again, in the middle of that positional run. Yeah, which is, you know, kind of tough to figure out when that middle is. But, you know, you got to feel it out. You got to pay attention. You got to have your tiers and, and your budget set ahead of time so you know how much you want to pay for certain positions. And there's a lot of preparation that goes into auction drafts. So also the studs and duds approach is real in auction. I love Agreed. to go like pay up for like two or three really high end guys, and then fill in your roster with the rest. Because even if you think about a standard redraft league, we talked about this on the last episode a little bit. After the fourth round, you're already starting to get into some real dicey picks. Yeah, and it's the same thing in an auction. So just get, secure yourself two or three real high end guys, and then then you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself. Agreed. Uh, so, all right, next question. Eric Kirkstein, he asks, Hey, hipsters, Eric from New Jersey again. Hello again. Thanks for answering my question last week. I listened to the podcast on my way home from work and stopped at the liquor store on my way home. No mama's little yellow pills, but they had Dale's Pale Ale, so I got home, got some, went home, cracked one open, and listened to ARCs. Love it. Really chill night. Can't wait to share both with friends, giving you guys the credit, of course. Hell yeah. Yeah, see? Look at that. Like we talked about the last episode, spreading culture, baby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my question this week is, I know Brandon Marshall is no longer the number one wideout on a team, but his talent hasn't gone away. Do you think his ADP should rise, or where do you think his, why do you think his value is so low? Once again, thanks for answering my previous question so thoroughly. I'll be listening every week. Damn straight, Eric. So what do you think about – Brandon Marshall is a tough one this year. What do you think about it? Where, where, are you, where are you kind of valuing him this year? So he's right now, he's going up – you know, he said, why is his value so low? But he is the 25th wide receiver up the board, fantasy football calculator, uh, fifth-round pick. Uh, third pick of the fifth round. That's still pretty high to me. I'm look. I'm personally not paying that price. It's pretty high given that the Giants have Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard. Now they have Brandon Marshall. They got Evan Ingram there. Shane Vereen coming out of the backfield soaking up targets. Paul Perkins will probably catch some balls. There's just there's a lot going. There's on. a lot to spread around there. And if you're drafting Brandon Marshall in like the fifth round, thinking he might be like your wide receiver three. I think that's a little aggressive. Uh, You're really banking on touchdown production there because it's just hard for me to tell myself a story where he 
gets 130 targets, you know, like he has in oh, years yeah. past. Right. I don't think he'll have that kind of volume. Yeah. It's again, it's tough to predict that unless the Giants are just going to go full balls to the wall pass offense, which you know they might, they might. sure, <laughs> but but like you mentioned, there's a lot going on there, and you know. In terms of his talent hasn't gone away, this is a tough one for me because, you know, I talk about reception perception and, and oh, by the way, guys, uh, the reception perception ult- part of the ultimate draft kit with the fantasyfootballers.com, that's going to be out soon. If you go to receptionperception.com, you can order that. Pre-order. Pre-order it for a few more days and then June 1st, it goes live. You can order it then. 6-1. Very excited for that. But looking at Brandon Marshall's reception perception, it's still overall pretty positive. Came out above the NFL average in success rate versus man, zone, and press coverage. So I think he still was legitimately good last year, despite like not having the best production because of the quarterback and overall dysfunctionality of the offense. And he was banged up. And he was banged up. But my problem there is this is it feels really similar to a situation a couple of years ago when Andre Johnson's 2014 reception perception was still really good with the Texans. And I was like, okay, so Andre Johnson's still good. He still has it. Um, Then Johnson moves along to the Colts, a seemingly really good pass-heavy situation. I was all in on Johnson as a fantasy prospect then because he was going in like the third round. Oh, I remember taking him in like the fourth round, (laughs) thinking like this guy's going to catch a ton of touchdowns from Andrew Luck, um, what have you. Uh, That did not happen. Yeah, Uh, he felt so. I don't know if reception perception is like the best tool for dealing with age cliffs like I think with based on that Johnson situation like his results were still really good his last year with the Texans but you could see as soon as preseason hit like oh no dude this guy's washed yeah and Brandon Brandon Marshall could be a similar situation and look I'm I promised you I promised my people I will find a way to craft a Sterling Shepard will outscore Brandon Marshall in fantasy this year take. I can promise you it's going to happen uh, because I love Sterling Shepard. But would it, I know it sounds crazy and a lot of people are just like, well, look what the, this is. Look what they're telling us about Sterling Shepard. But it would have been crazy back then to say Dante Moncrief will have more fantasy points than Andre Johnson in 2015. And he was definitely the more productive player that year. Good point. So d- I'm... A little leery of Marshall that high. I think the fifth round is way too high. I might slide him into like middle seventh round-ish, which right. is what, like maybe 10, 10 wide receivers later, Yeah, according it, to Fantasy Football Calculator. Yeah, it's tough to, for me to get really on board. Anyways, uh, moving on, next question. This one comes in from Frederick Gilbert. Uh, hey, love your show and also Reception Perception. Thanks. Go order the Ultimate Draft Kit if you haven't already. Receptionperception.com. There you go. Uh, I have two Plug. questions. You talk Hashtag o- ad. Hashtag ad. Sorry. (laughs) I have two questions. You talk a lot about ADP, but since last year I've become a real fan of auction drafts. Nice. They give a larger chance to employ a strategy, in my opinion, compared to Snake, where the team you get slash choose is pretty much dictated with uh, within plus or minus a couple of ADP, depending on your draft position. What's your take on auction drafts for either Dynasty or Redraft Leagues? Well, we're totally uh, totally in on auction drafts. Love them. They're so much fun, and you can get the guys you want. Mm. If we do a Fantasy Hipsters Listener League... Uh, whether it be with NFL.com or uh, independently. We should do an auction. We should do an auction. Yeah. That's the hipster thing to do, right? Yeah. Screw those 10-team standard redrafts we do. I'm so sick of the 10-team thing. God. Pull pull a couple of people out of the newsroom. Well, what we should do is put a poll out on Twitter and see what the people want. And be like, auction or redraft. Or should we just say, screw it and just just make the decision ourselves? 
Auction drafts are so much fun. They are fun. They're a bigger time commitment, though. So yeah, we'll have they to take get, a lot longer. Be, that will be tough to get everybody on the same page listener-wise. But hey, you right. do want to be in the league, you got to commit the time. Make sacrifices. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, next part of his question, uh, what's your opinion on stacking? If there's a player I want to take at wide receiver and the quarterback is someone I would not be against having, stacking seems intriguing to me. I'm thinking of the following. A.J. Green and Andy Dalton uh, is probably my favorite. Uh, Green should be very good and Dalton could rise back this year. Jordy Nelson, Aaron Rodgers could earn the most, but expensive in terms of draft capital. Mike Evans and Jameis Winston, probably my second favorite, but risk of Evans regression. What do you think of stacks in general as a strategy? And who do you do you have a favorite stack? Thanks. Love your show, Fred. Well, we love you too, Fred. Um, I love the idea of stacking. And look, think about sometimes, like if you can identify that offense that's going to blow up, uh, think back to like the Peyton Manning Denver days. Right. You know, like in 2014 when he went berserk. Was it 55 touchdowns, yeah, when I think he, he When he went berserk, uh, that was, or maybe it was even 2013 was the year he went berserk. I can't really remember. But anyway, no, I think it was 14 was the berserk year. Yeah, I think so. But anyways, if you can, like, if you basically, you would win your fantasy championship if you just had the most Broncos on your team, you right, know? Right, right, right. Like, so that's something to pay attention to. Like, if you can identify that offense, like New England this year would be a fun one, but their targets are definitely going to be weary to predict week to week but i love the idea of stacking and especially and and i agree with uh fred here that like i want like jordy nelson aaron Rodgers is tough because you're gonna have to pay up for both of them right i'm never gonna pay for aaron Rodgers in a redraft league right or but, a, i mean a, a snake draft sure but the idea of like an aj green and andy dalton is very appealing to me because, because you can get green early and dalton very late Right, and it, if they both go off, it's the same thing like pe- why people employ stacking for DFS. If they go off in a week, you're going to be really tough to to beat, even in a head-to-head situation right. in a typical redraft league. It's a so. huge DFS strategy to stack. Yeah, so I love that idea. Um, again, it's all about identifying which offense you think could really go off this year. Uh, it's, of course, you're opening yourself up to a little variance as well, too, if you know, Andy Dalton is to get hurt mid-game, you're probably going to feel that at two positions instead of just one. Exactly. So there's a negative. Also, it was 2013 when Peyton Manning went off. Uh, whatever. But, yeah, I like stacks. I tried to do the Evans-Winston one last year, and then I think Winston had kind of a slow start, and I just I ended up dropping Winston. I, got, I, I lost. I didn't have enough patience to ride it out. Yeah, that's always tough too with stacking. That if you're taking a, if you're not going to invest high capital on a quarterback, then yeah. you are. I mean, you're probably going to look at streaming quarterbacks, and in that case, you you might not last. That might that guy might not last very long. Correct. Next question, Alex Moody. Hey and hey, Matt and Matt, UK listener here. Oh, all right. I'm all not, right. I'm not going to do that again. I love the podcast. Listen every single episode. Dig them all. However, I have one issue. The musicians you've been recommending are awesome. Yet I feel like they aren't hipster enough. For example, Dan Auerbach who's actually really good, thanks for that, has 96,000 96, followers on Spotify. I have some recommendations to just blow your mind with hardly any followers. All Them Witches are a psychedelic rock band with 31,000 followers. Seen them live. They're phenomenal. Uh, Harmon note here. They're actually really good. I, I've listened to them. All Them Witches? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Awkward is a rapper with less than 4,000 followers. Listen to the album Last Gen. Uh, no Name is Super Chill, 66,000 followers. Uh, finally, Kick the Habit are an electronic band with less than 5,000 followers. Keep up the podcast. Love you guys, Alex. I'm going to listen to all these bands this week. I'm going to rank them. Okay. And, and also, I don't make my music picks based on how many followers artists have. I talked about it on the last on the flagship episode from this week. I give you guys picks of stuff I've been listening to, and I ranted about that. Check out the previous episode. But I appreciate 
the recommendations. I'll check these guys out and I'll rank them for you. Maybe I'll tweet it out or yeah. talk about it next week on the pod. I like that idea. I like, and that's why we have the listener episode so that you guys can tell us maybe what some hipster bands you've listened to or hipster beers you've been drinking. Exactly. One thing I will say, the UK puts pumps out much better artists than America does. That's pretty a pretty known thing. But you know, kudos to the UK. Keep keep pumping out good good music. All right, Curtis Robinson <laughs> asks us, "Sup, fellas? Long time listener, but first time mailing so. in. A couple of questions, if you don't mind. We mind. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if you could compare Harmon." If you could compare NFL teams to a certain food or beer, what would it be? Uh, IG, I see the Patriots as a potato. Not necessarily the most exciting food on paper, but when prepared by the right person, they're amazingly versatile and can be special. All right, well, let's take this one first. Potato. Um, All right. So compared to a food or beer, what would it be? Uh, let's try to take think of three here. Um, and I know this is addressed to me, but you can help too. Sure. Uh, well, why don't I just do the Steelers because they're my team? All right. What would the Steelers be? I feel like they are have an exciting roster. They're always exciting, but sometimes they can be really disappointing. Uh, look, you know what? What Steelers are wings. Okay. Because wings are yeah. awesome when they're on chicken wings. They're impossible to beat. I mean, they are so good. But the sauce listen, is lit. Yeah, but listen, sometimes you order wings at some random restaurant, and they can be complete trash and disappointing yeah sometimes you get a, a sprained wing bone and then he the uh you know you don't think you're gonna see that wing for eight weeks and then he comes back next week that's ben roethlisberger sure that was a bit of a stretch but my <laughs> point <laughs> my point is the steelers are always exciting on paper they're always they're always fun uh and when they're on they are one of the most fun teams to watch in the nfl but Every few weeks, they give you just these trash games where like, they lose to the Dolphins. Yeah, that was... Oh, God, don't remind me. Or the Eagles when they got blown out like 34-3 to or something and, by the Eagles. And then they go on an eight-game win streak and make the playoffs. Yep. Wings, wings, wings come through most of the time. All right, yeah, I like that one. That one's perfect. Sure. We're keeping that one. That's the only one we're doing. Next question. <laughs> Franchise, same question, but compare a team to uh, a band or a genre of music. Hmm. Okay, uh, how about, yeah, this is, I need some time to think about this. this well, is, why don't you look over the questions beforehand? I'm I don't, I ain't got time for that. Oh, please, like you're doing anything. Uh, all right, why don't we do, uh... Well, you okay. talked about the Grateful Dead on the episode last, on our last episode. So what football team is the Grateful Dead? Something that just keeps coming back and never goes away. Uh, I mean the Patriots. <laughs> How about the how about the how about the Packers? I was kind of thinking that. Yeah, I mean they never go away. They're always changing to. Got to respect the talent. Got to respect it. Can't really hate on them. Right, even when they lost their front man and Brant and Brett Favre, you know, they lost Jerry Garcia. They just keep on going. Yeah, they bring in young gun uh, Aaron Rodgers. The dead brought in young gun John Mayer, and they're on tour. See, they're the, the Packers. Packers are going to play again this season, going on tour. There you go. Perfect. Okay, Curtis asks us, bonus question if you have time. We got time. Where do you guys stand on fantasy team names? Do you go for puns or joke-based names or just standard boring names? I need some suggestions for the upcoming season. I never do a fantasy team name that has a player in it. Because yeah, I feel lame. like I curse my team by doing that if the player's on my team. They're also usually pretty lame. The only time I've ever done that was like I did aerobics in yes. 2015. Like Yes. A-Rob. Yes. Yeah, I did that one. But other than that, normally I do... I do like a shout-out to something I like. Um, like, 
Charlie's Chargers. I was in the, you know, my dog in the. Uh, there you go. In the uh, NFL Fantasy Live fan league that we did last year. Uh, I've done Lake Montclair Monsters. For a shout out to my hometown. Uh, so normally I do something like that. I'm not. I mean, I I talk about this on the podcast. I don't like puns. Uh, so puns can GTFO in terms of team names. So that's where I stand on that issue. I sometimes like I like to think for a couple months. Like, okay, what do I? Because I have usually have like eight or ten fantasy teams. Like, what do I want the theme of all my team names to be this year? Um, some people do movies. I'm a music guy. So this year I'm thinking about doing minus the bear song titles for all my fantasy teams because some of their song titles are really weird like hey is that a ninja up there (laughs) and uh i'm totally not down with rob's alien like that's a song title i like that it's like Uh, they're they're like the weirdest names but if i just have that across all my fantasy teams just like a conversation suggestion like hey just so we're clear i'm not really down with rob's alien yeah yeah just to say that right it's like a conversational thing uh, just to get that on the record, I'm really not down with Rob's Alien. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go with Minus the Bear song titles this year. But, you know, it's fun to think about. I don't really like the, the player puns. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks. Good questions, Curtis. Uh, next question comes in from Kenneth Woodle. He yep. has a hipster league idea. Uh, okay, let's talk about these hipster league ideas. Uh, <laughs> Kenneth has a long email um, about, you know hipster leagues he says uh he i have an idea for potential listener league that a couple emails alluded to on your last show since this is a hipsters podcast have listeners submit their ideas of the most hipster league they can think of one of which will be played out over the course of the season the winning submission would gain an automatic entry into the league that's a good suggestion yeah we dig that so from now on if you have a hipster league idea put that in the subject line in all caps and we will save that for when we're deciding what we want to do with our hipster league I like, I'm into this. So we won't be reading them on the podcast anymore, uh, but we'll be saving them. So again, if you want to submit a Hipster League idea, put it all caps in the subject line when you email fantasyhipsters at gmail.com and we will keep that as a reference point. Deal. Let's do it. Thanks, Kenneth. Next question comes from Bruce Matson. Good evening. I have a quick question. Can you guys rank your top 10 favorite Oreo flavors? Thanks. Uh, Oreos are kind of trash. No, because I don't eat them. Yeah, I don't eat, I mean. Original Oreos. Bro, I gotta stay ripped. You're ripped, bro. I don't. I gotta. Don't, I can. I don't eat Oreos. You don't get ripped by eating Oreos. But I will. I will say, my one big take on Oreos is if you are going to an event, I used to. I used to smash Oreos. By the way, I used to eat Oreos all the freaking time. Original. Okay, so I got two. Okay, I got two. I got two takes on Oreos. I'm sorry. Uh, one, the best way to eat them is to remove the top eat the top, scrape the cream off with your teeth, eat that, and then eat the second part. What if the cream comes off unevenly? Just scrape it off first and eat that first. I don't know. Okay. That's uh, something that happens. Good, it's not always point. the perfect part. It's a good point. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Just saying. Just trying uh, to, just, you know. And the second, and this is the most important take. Ooh. If you just buy regular stuffed Oreos and don't spring for the double stuff, and you bring them to a social event... You are clearly sending a message to everybody at that event that you do not value them as much as you possibly could. Because, look, it's not a, like, just get the double stuffed. There's more cream in it. I mean, it's not like a $5 upcharge for the, for the extra cream. 
If you get like just and after you have a double stuff, the regular Oreos suck. Like there's just not Agreed. enough. Agree, it's not as satisfying. But I mean, what if you're you're just not thinking about you just the regular ones are the first ones you see and you grab them. Oh, right? so people that's, are gonna judge you wherever the party you're going. So to? that's what you think of your friends. You think oh, I'll just get the first thing. I like to if I'm bringing something to a party, I want everybody to enjoy it, not half enjoy it. And that's what basically like regular stuffed Oreos might as well just be called half stuffed Oreos at this point. Double stuffed is the standard. Agree. I'm down. They've All been right. around long enough. It's not a different flavor, it's just more cream. Yeah. But I'm also scrolling through this different new flavors of or of Oreos. And I gotta say, my worst two are cotton candy Ugh. and red velvet. Red velvet can get the F out of this planet. You don't like red velvet? No. Eh. Red velvet needs to end. I'm okay with red and velvet. And putting it on an Oreo is just atrocious. So get out of here with that. Okay. I'm not a fan of mint flavored. Fruity crisp Oreo? My least favorite is obviously peanut butter. Peanut butter sucks. We know that. Terrible take. Factual take. Also, mint and chocolate, I don't like. Well, Swedish fish Oreo. Oh, that's disgusting. These are terrible. Okay, let's move on. These exist. Gross. Peeps might be interesting. Oh, I'm just scrolling through. And Peeps? Peeps? Peeps suck. Peeps are bad as the, alone. Fine. They're just a marshmallow. Every Dude, every, nobody likes Peeps. Damn. Everybody knows that peeps are bad. They're bad for you, but they taste fine. Wow. Whatever. Let's move on. Let's move on. We're good, mad online. Good question, that. Bruce. <laughs> Didn't know that we were going to have a lot of takes on that. Passionate Oreo <laughs> takes. We had a lot to say. Uh, next question comes in from Jorge Edwards. Hey, guys. Love your podcast. I was wondering, with so many teams uh, having running back committees this year, is it wise to avoid using the zero RB strategy, or should I be concerned about the lack of depth at running back? Sincerely, not, not Jorge. Not concerned. Ed no, you should not be concerned. Tell him why. Well, he says, should I not be concerned? Oh, should I not be concerned? Right. Uh, well, what do you think? I feel like every team, like, we've had running back committees for years now, so it's not like that's a new thing being introduced. Uh, I don't think you should avoid or go too aggressively with any strategy. Mm -hmm. It depends on your scoring. I think you should zig where others zag, uh, and find value in your draft and draft the guys you like. And I think last year... The zero RB thing needed to it needed to be a discussion because there were people that were just dismissing it, mm -hmm. and it, it needed to be discussed as a strategy. And you wrote a really good article about why. Find that on NFL.com. Thank you. Uh, slash Harmon, I think. Is yep. that? Yeah. Uh, from last August or whatever. But I don't think going into this season, I feel like last year we saw some running backs kind of. Wide receivers had a down year and running backs had a big year last year. And it was the opposite last year. So maybe it'll even out this year. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, also, in terms of backfield committees, that does tend to make more running backs relevant uh, because, you know, some guys like in the later rounds that are just bangers will fall down there and they can be valuable on games. It's about a lot about it is trying to predict game scripts. Right. And if there's a running back committee where one guy is the kind of early down banger, you know, the like a Terrence West sort of player is, is the early down plotter for the Ravens. If the Ravens are going to be in a run-heavy game script, you, Terrence West might be more relevant. But then in weeks where they, and they have a committee and Danny Woodhead is going to be more relevant as the pass-catching running back right. uh, in games where they might be in shootouts, then you want to use Woodhead. So that definitely helps. Um, 
you know, again, like you said, avoid using a strat. I don't think it's ever wise to be like, I'm just not using a strategy. I think right. strategies are options, and you should always keep your mind open when, when you do go into drafts. And he cites the lack of running back depth. I think it's the opposite. I think he's alluding to the lack of, like, feature backs, like lack, David Johnson's yeah, exactly. and stuff like that. But I think there's more running backs than ever, especially with this rookie class that you can, that you can yeah. you know. There's a lack of, there is a definitely a lack of bell cow backs. Right. There's like we named only, like eight or nine a couple episodes ago, right? Right, and really the only ones that are truly elite difference makers that are just give you an unfair advantage are really just the two, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, because of what they do as runners and receivers. And right. there's only two of those guys. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's obviously other high-end running backs, but not to the degree that those two are. Uh, all right, next question comes in, and a couple more email questions here. This one comes in from Jeffrey, uh, 23 Chameleons. Uh, nice email address. Good afternoon, hipsters. Tips his hat. Wanted to ask your advice. Uh, would you keep T.Y. Hilton over DeAndre Hopkins in a half PPR Superflex league? I feel like this is a floor-ceiling de- decision uh, with Nuke's floor being higher, but a c- floor being lower, but a ceiling being higher. Um, okay, I'm going to not even read the rest of the description because I think this is actually pretty easy to keep T.Y. Hilton. No question over DeAndre it's Hopkins. It's not even a question. I don't think Hopkins – I think Hopkins' ceiling is misleading. I think I think we talked. We may have talked about this on the podcast we already. We did. But with – Houston wants to be a run-heavy offense. Bill O'Brien's teams have been, I believe, first, fifth, and sixth in rush attempts all three of his years as head coach. Uh, the early part of the 2015 season is the clear outlier of Hopkins' career where he was producing as the overall wide receiver two in fantasy, uh, and he had like 92 targets over the first eight games. That's not something they want to play on that game script because during that stretch, they were losing. When they became a good team, they were more run-oriented, their defense was better, Hopkins wasn't in a situation to gobble up all those targets. Um, Hilton's tough this year because he's going to play as much out of the slot as he did last year, maybe not. Um, but I think Hilton is the – not only is he the player with the higher floor, I think he has the higher ceiling than uh, Hopkins. I, it's hard for me to tell myself a story where Hopkins is a top 10 receiver this year. Agreed. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely leaning that way. And Hilton's like a borderline, well, mid-second round, late-second round pick. Yep. Uh, and he also asked, do you think that wide receiver depth is approaching the quarterback level depth and the scarcity of bell cow running backs makes – Getting one even more critical. We kind of just talked about that where um, it's definitely critical if you can get David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, um, but there's only those two. So, uh, you know, there, there are other guys that are obviously have that potential, but they don't have the week-to-week difference-making potential as, as those two do. Um, wide receiver depth is plentiful right now. Sure. But, uh, again, the ceiling of a high-end wide receiver is – so high and there's only a few of those guys as well but there are more of them than there are the high-end running backs which as i said best week-to-week difference maker uh lastly he has a favor to ask a recommendation i've been asked uh to take over as the host of a podcast for professional musicians are there any articles on podcasts you could recommend uh equipment you'd recommend are you guys in the same room when you do when you record your pod we are in the same room. However, you don't have to be. There are programs like Zencaster that you can check out uh, that's really good to record multiple people. It takes audio individually from each ends, and you can mix them t- together really well. So it's good quality. It's not like an internet connection quality audio. Right. And yeah. in terms of uh, equipment, we use a Blue Yeti mic. Those are usually just about like 130 bucks. I actually saw a tweet today, and I retweeted it, that like they're, they're on sale 
uh, at GameStop or something for like 40 bucks. So uh, that sweet deal. That tweet might not be live anymore, but um, Blue Yeti is, is a great mic. It's professional. It's really professional quality, but not uh, super expensive. So we actually just connect two paper cups with a piece of yarn, and that's how we record this. So that's a good point. Go to the dollar store and get some of that. There you go. Uh, last email question. Tim Shepler says, "Hala or Ola hip stars." I like that. Hala. Ola. I thought I thought he was saying like holla, like holler, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But nah, I'm hip an idiot. stars. We are stars. Yeah, it's embarrassing. In the past, <laughs> most everybody was heavy on running backs early. Last season, 2016, it was wide receiver heavy early, and now it seems back to running back heavy again. Wouldn't it be the hipster move to go back to wide receivers in 2017? Yeah, we talked about that, obviously. Like, I wrote a bit, I franchise mentioned I wrote an article uh, on what went wrong with top end receivers. Uh, T.Y. Hilton led the NFL in receiving yards at 1,400 yards, which is way off the pace of normal. Uh, seasons over the last few years uh so definitely you can check that out at nfl.com slash harman um i think it's perfectly fine if you're taking the top five and you want to take um a player like antonio brown over zeke elliott i think that's perfectly reasonable i think that's perfectly fine the only one i really think that they're really the only running back that i would break the rule of going wide receiver over is david johnson because he's the most secure outlook of any of those guys and has just an unbelievable ceiling as a receiver uh, and and as a runner. So, yeah, I think it's a hipster move, sure. Sure. Uh, and he also says, try Track 7's Panic IPA. It's a great beer for the summer. Track 7's a local brewery here in Sacramento, so you might be able to find it in L.A. I love the show. Keep up the great work. They always make my work days better. Well, thank you, guys. All right, That's awesome. So that is the email questions. We're going to bang through the Twitter questions real quick. Uh, at... G-E-R-E-I-N-11, I don't know what that means, uh, asks us, thoughts on Lamar Miller and the Houston offense? Does the Foreman pick drastically affect Miller? Will that offense struggle again? What do you think about Lamar Miller this year? I don't know. I think I'm off of him. I was I on him last too. year. Yeah. I was on him last year. I thought he was going to have an amazing year. I think he only scored five touchdowns. The Texans' offense was bad. It was all Brock Osweiler's fault. He couldn't get through that line. Like, he struggled to... He just struggled. He got banged up. He didn't last the whole year under a big workload. They draft a big banger like Foreman to, as we've seen in reports, quote-unquote, spell Miller when he's tired, which is good. Maybe that will increase Miller's shelf life for the season. Um, and, yeah, I think it kind of drastically affects Miller. They might use Forma, Foreman in goal line situations because he's a bigger back. Uh, so that could affect Miller's touchdown total. Will that offense struggle again? I think a lot of the struggles were because of Brock Osweiler, and he couldn't. The only guy he could complete passes to was the tight end there, Fedorowicz. Um, now they, they how much Deshaun better do you Watson. think they'll be though this year? I think. I mean, if if Deshaun Watson is their start, their starting quarterback, which we don't know yet, but probably there's going to be some rookie growing pains there. Definitely, and we're going to have to be patient with this team and. By the time they're firing again, like Lamar Miller might not be there anymore. DeAndre Hopkins might have moved on. We don't know. So, yeah, I don't. I'm off on Miller not, too. He's I'm a not. second round pick right now, late second, mid late. Oh my god, way too early. <laughs> yeah, it's aggressive. Yeah, uh, I just yeah again, he was running back 17 I think last year, and it's just hard again to tell myself a story where he pays off that draft value in an offense that has question marks. And also, is he a feature? Is he a feature back? Yeah. You know, maybe they do split carries more between he and Foreman. And I think the workload was the most appealing part of him last year, and that Correct. was the part that kind of thwarted him as well. So Miller's a tricky one right now, and I'm probably not taking him that high. Yeah. 
Uh, Broncos fan 13 asks two questions. First one, Jorts, are they making a comeback? Mm, no. No. They're not on flagandanthem.com, so no. No, they're not making a comeback. Were they ever here? Were they ever were they ever cool? They were definitely a thing, but were they ever cool? No. No. Hipsters, he also hipsters says, have spoken. Right. We that is official. <laughs> Second question. Great show, highly educational. Can Demarius Thomas ever regain the magic he once had? Was it the Kubiak offense, the quarterbacks all question mark? Dude, I'm completely off Demarius this year. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of what made him so productive before was definitely a combination of both. Because he's not, I mean, he's looking at, if you look at his reception perception, again, you can get that receptionperception.com by the ultimate draft kit. Boom. Plug away, top 50 guys. He's one of them. His reception perception pretty much throughout his entire career has never been all that great because he's not a good route runner. He's not a good traditional uh, player. Uh, and I think that's what he struggled with in the Kubiak offense. But he is a player who... Uh, can run underneath routes well, separate uh, well on slants, posts, and in the vertical route, but not traditional timing-based routes. There's more of what's required in a West Coast offense like Gary Kubiak's. I think Mike McCoy will come in this year. I really respect Mike McCoy as an offensive mind. He's able to put wide receivers in good position. He's done that before. Um, and I think he will put more of those bubble screens that Peyton Manning used him on that made him so productive. Um, that was, again... Peyton Manning, the high-flying offense, big reason why he was so productive before. But yes. he is wide receiver 18 right now in the fourth round, and, and I think he does have a pretty good floor there because there's pretty much no way he sees less than 130 targets, um, even if the quarterback play is not great. Uh, there's something to be said for that season-long floor that you're getting out of him. Sure. I just Trevor Simeon or whoever the quarterback there is just doesn't inspire me. I respect Simeon a little bit more, but yeah. meh, I think he can keep these guys afloat. Uh, next question comes in from Curtis uh, L O E W seven seven three three. A lot of good rookie running backs this year. What's the max you would take in a twelve man standard league? Well, it's tough to. I mean, I would don't know if I would take like. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's all about the situation. Depends on who they are. Yeah, I mean, in our mock, I drafted Fournette and Mixon, and, and you felt it. you felt pretty good about that. You took Fournette and what the. Third, and I think Fournette was end of the third, and then I got Mixon on the turn at the top of the fourth. Mixon's pretty aggressive, but I think the good thing about those two picks there is that I do think Fournette's really safe from a season-long perspective because we know he's going to get the volume. Right. Um, and Mixon's more of a home run swing in that he has probably the highest upside of any of these running backs. But you know, say Jeremy Hill comes in training camp, it looks pretty good. He could easily just be a bit player his rookie year. Correct. So I get from that again. I think it's just all about making your picks fit well together. The fact that they're rookies is is like kind of irrelevant. It's just do they fit well together? Agreed. So that's the way I would look at it. And if you're taking running back like rookie running backs late, that's fine. You know who cares? Yeah, because you're, you're just take, shooting you're, darts, you're shooting darts, hoping for a guy who's probably going to be on your bench for a few weeks to be a guy in week five or whatever. Next question comes in from Thaddeus Stewart. How does one get a follow from the hipsters? I mean, I've had two questions asked on the previous show already. Uh, you got to put like good information out there to get follows. Yeah, good hipster takes that are ahead of the curve. Yeah, you got well. You got to have some good like I follow people for good football takes for for fun takes. And also, I followed a few listeners that have sent us beer and stuff. So, right. send us stuff, I guess. <laughs> Are you bribing our listeners for a Twitter follow? I mean, if they're that concerned about getting... I mean, it's really, having us follow you is not that cool, to be, I, it's to not, be honest. It's not really that cool. It's overrated. Yeah. Just like everything else in life. Yeah, you kind of want to keep the mystique. 
you know? Yeah. You don't want, like, us to follow you and then we see, like, how bad your tweets are. Oh, right. And then it's like, ooh, it's awkward then if we have to unfollow you. Yeah, because then you'll notice. Right. Because obviously you're just obsessed checking about... We're not that cool, guys. You don't want to... You know, We're not that cool. You don't want to... You don't want follows from us. We're just normal weirdos. Next question comes from at underscore Eric Place. When I mix honey mustard and barbecue sauce, one... Is that a hipster move? Two, is it honey barbecue mustard or honey mustard barbecue sauce? Holy God. Well, number one, is that a hipster move? I love honey mustard. Uh, is it a hipster move? Probably not. Probably not, because like, isn't that basically like what Chick-fil-A does? Isn't that like their big sauce? Is yeah, like honey mustard, mainstream, honey roasted barbecue? Mainstream fast food joint? Cool, bro. Way, I don't to, way to rip off their recipe. Yeah, I don't eat it, Chick-fil-A. Me neither. I would say no, it's not a hipster move. Uh, and I feel like honey mustard barbecue sauce already exists in bottles. Yeah, so honey barbecue sauce? Honey barbecued sauce is what you'd call it to be. Honey barbecue mustard. I don't know. I don't know that this is going anywhere, uh, Eric. <laughs> you might, you might, I mean, look, I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm, but a f I'm a fan of both sauces for the record. Well, I don't, yeah, honey mustard is good. That's fine. Barbecue sauce is fine. I don't really eat any of those things at this point in my life, but... Uh, when I'm cheating, when I'm on my cheat days, maybe. So there you go. There you go. I like the idea, though. Total hipster move, sure. Mix stuff. See what happens. Last question comes in from our buddy Justin Twell, at Justin Twell 78. Who scores more fantasy points in 2017, Carlos Henderson or Chris Godwin? And he has a winky face, because there's a story to this, which we need to have him on the podcast to explain at some point soon, because he, oh. and, I, he and I made a, I don't, I don't think I told you about this, but he and I made a, Secrets. he and I made a bet about which of those receivers was going to get drafted first. I took Godwin, he took Carlos Henderson. Uh, I lost. Carlos Henderson went off the board first, and the bet there was that if I lost, he would have to come, he would get to come on the podcast and troll me. And I haven't been able. To, I haven't. We haven't been able to have him on yet because he lives in Australia. Uh, he was on the Backyard Banter podcast. If you, uh, if you guys missed that one, um, dude. If someone's gonna come on and troll you, I'm all for it. Yeah. So we'll we'll have to get that done at some point. But he's in Australia, so we've had some tough time uh, scheduling lately. But we will uh, figure that out soon. Um, but in terms of the question, who do you think scores more fantasy points? I think it's gonna be Chris Godwin. I'm really excited about the Bucks offense. I think Henderson, like we talked about. In uh, Denver, they got Damaris Thomas, they got Manny Sanders. There's not a lot of room for a third guy there. See, but I think there is a lot of room for a third guy because IMO. we talked about this, I think, a couple episodes ago too. Like with the, they don't really have a third receiver. They just have like bootleg Eric Decker, oh, right. like Jordan Taylor guy. They have an opening for a third receiver, and uh, the Bucks have Mike Evans, who's a target hog. They got to throw to Djax a little. Um, they yeah. have O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray. You know, they have a lot of guys there, whereas Denver just really has those two. So I don't think either one of them is going to be a huge fantasy impact player in year one, but I think if there, it would be Henderson who also – he can make plays on a small amount of touches too. Okay. I know they're two of your favorite guys. So. Yeah, I, I got the hard eye emojis for both of them now. Nice. Uh, but that's it. That's all the questions we have this week. Um, next week, we talked about this. We'll only have one episode, no mail satchel next week because we'll just have the flagship show later on, probably on a Thursday, maybe a Friday, something because of the holiday Correct. earlier in the week. Correct. But in the meantime, uh, please continue to share, like, rate, and review the show. Um, check out receptionperception.com to get the ultimate draft kit. 
Uh, buy it through there. You get access to 50 NFL players' reception perception data. 50. That's a lot. That's like 10 times 5. Yeah. Whoa. Totally. So check that out. Uh, if you buy that, all the proceeds go to Charlie Eating, which is good. He's <laughs> <laughs> over there right now. He's, he's hanging out. But anyway, so that uh, so make sure you do that. Uh, and for Franchise, check out uh, sticktofootball.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Franchise. Yeah. Um, and yeah, continue to download, subscribe, rate, review, and buy stuff from Champs. Yeah, that's right. With that, hipsters out. Hipsters out. <laughs>